0: Hi, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, and today I have the honor of having Gregory Christie, who is an award-winning children's book illustrator, that um, I had the chance to sit on on two of his workshops with the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. So, Mr. Christie, thank you so much for um, being willing to be interviewed on my podcast.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you and your fans or guests.
0: Well, Mr. Christie, would you mind um, sharing a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm a children's book illustrator. Um, I've won awards like the Caldecott Honor, uh, the Coretta Scott King Award, about six times, and New York Times Best Illustrated Book Award. And I've done artwork for New York City subway system, and I've done movies on Netflix. It's a long career. It's been over... I'd say it's been over 25 years. Um, I went to school of visual arts, and I never knew I was going to be a children's book illustrator. But uh, when I first started getting out of school, I was doing record covers and magazines. And uh, one job was actually doing a children's book of poetry, and that opened up a career, and that was around 96, of doing more than 60 books now.
0: Wow. It's just... um... And when you say award-winning, I mean that's—I feel like it's an understatement because you've won every major children's book uh, illustration award. And I have to say, I recognized your work from the presentation because um, this was many years ago. But the one that you said you illustrated about John um, uh, Trailer and Don Tate was the author of that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because like um, I had joined the Society of Children's Book Illustrators. Um, probably a year before that book came out and I got really lucky I feel like like uh, they would have these monthly little contests and I entered into it and I got one of the top three for it and I got lucky. Because of that, I got to join this little uh, blog ring. Don Tate was on there, and oh, wow. he was talking about the process of that book and how he'd written it. He was so excited. He was a super nice guy, and I would post like, oh, like, you know, just like, hello, and little things. things. Everybody was super sweet on that blog ring. Now they're out of favor, but I remember him saying that I don't think I'm the right illustrator for this, and then he was so excited when you'd come on board and you became the illustrator for that book.
1: Yeah, I was happy to work with Don uh, Tate. Um, he's in his Austin, Texas, but uh, we work with a company called Lee and Lowe Books, and I've done books with them before, and so it made the process a little bit easier, and also I've met Don previously, and the oh. book was called It Just Happened, mm-hmm. and it's a story about a man named Bill Trailer.
0: Oh, I'm sorry it, that I got that wrong. That's
1: okay. Uh, so Bill Trailer basically is like someone who started his art career at 85, so it's really like a great story that people can find inspiration from. But what was interesting, like you were saying previously, I'm I'm considered almost edgy in my styles, mm-hmm. and I I almost feel like a character actor when I do children's books. So I think Don Tate felt that um, I could really take on uh, Bill Trailers' voice and illuminate the works with illustrations that are a bit more. Uh, You know different than his his sensibilities.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, Don also he has a lot of different styles that he does and I noticed Mm -hmm. that about your work and I know this is I've always been told as a um, student of illustration and I'm currently in my master of fine arts uh, program and I would like to uh, specialize in children's books But I keep hearing people telling me, and I don't know from your perspective, like, you have to dial down into a style. Like, you have to nail down this one look. And do you find that that's necessarily true, or how, how, what is your opinion or your experience on that?
1: My personal experience is different than most people's because I've been doing it for so long, and I established a name. So even when I do sketches, they're very loose, and even... Uh, the idea of, of picking one publisher or two publishers and only working a career with them or having an agent so I'm not I'm not like someone you could look at and pattern your life your okay. career after mm-hmm. but I can say that it, it is pretty uh, common that people do choose a particular aesthetic and they and they work with it because um, sometimes p- editors and publishers love to know what they're getting. But what works for me is that they don't know what they're getting, but they know that my name will help sell the book. And they know also that the work will be quality. And I always say to young students and people beginning and trying to do art, don't focus on trying to find a style, focus on uh, your strengths and your weaknesses. And if you got strengths, almost put them on the back burner and try to, to, to work on your weaknesses. And I can tell you, When I got my first book, like I Mm -hmm. said, I did did not study children's books. I didn't even know how to do a book dummy. I didn't, Mm -hmm. the sketches, I was not able to do the sketches so much that they finally just said, okay, just do a sketch. And then the next day, and I paint quickly. So what Mm -hmm. I did was I actually did a sketch, Mm -hmm. showed it to them, and then came in with the final art. And it went like that for that 32-page book. Mm -hmm. So I did not study, uh, you know, children's book illustration. And the point I'm telling you this for is, is that basically like, you know, you, you can put out a product, like I was saying previously, you can just do that, but you, you know, just focus on doing quality work. You do that and the style will come because, um, getting back, I lost a train of thought, but when I, when I actually did that first book, didn't study anything. and, And I didn't, I was petrified. I did not have a style. And what what they hired me on was different than what I produced. I produced, like, these elongated necks and and disproportionate bodies. It was completely different than what they thought they were going to get. But they liked it so much, they said, Mm -hmm. keep doing it. So I'm just Mm -hmm. saying, like, um, you know, I'm not going to say you you don't think about having a style, but I would say that you should try to really focus on just doing, finding out personally what's best for you because – it's my opinion, in general, to answer this: you don't want to fall in line; you want to stand out. Any great artist goes and puts a stake in the ground, and other people come and, and see it and get inspired. And it's with, like that with music; it's like that with medicine. It's even though almost anything can be art if you're communicating or you're or changing the changing the, the the forum, you know. So I think it's important to try for longevity to not just do a product and just, you know, do step by step. But, you know, that's my opinion. And I'm sure someone who who does something that's very consistent will say for the longevity, you need to form a relationship. So with art, it is always your own journey, Mm -hmm. but you gotta be true to yourself in terms of, you gotta be true to yourself in terms of what makes you happy and what you think is good. But you also have to be objective you have to be able to look at something and realize this is strong or this is just for the moment what i mean by that is the same way you go and look at pictures when you were um 18 and let's say you're 40 or 30 years old you look at pictures when you're 15 or 11 you're like oh my god my hair was crazy you didn't think it was crazy (laughs) when you were 11 or 15 you thought you looked fly you thought you looked great And the same goes with painting. Sometimes you can do a painting when you're beginning and you think this is my greatest work. I'm never going to sell it. That's the mentality of an immature artist. When you start to think that you have nothing else to produce better than what you've done, you got more. You got a lifetime of work and you got to dig deep. But you got to be able to look at your work and really objectively say it could be stronger. You don't have to put yourself down and say it's horrible or I'm not good enough. But you got to you got to know what can be stronger. That's what I say.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate you saying it because I used to be petrified. Like you had mentioned, you were very shy when you were younger. Mm-hmm. I was painfully shy when I was a little kid. So art became a good avenue. And what, yeah. even when I found in like um in college, my f- first time around for my bachelor's degree, I was petrified of critiques. I was so like horrified and there were times that later on when i started doing the children's book route i'd get offered things and i was horrified to put myself out there mm-hmm. i thought why would anybody want to see me talk about what i do or i was just it's not you know good enough but you're saying about the knowing that it's not good enough but being willing to make those changes being willing to Bring your work up to the next level and not competing so much like this was the mentality I finally had to get into. I was like, I'm not competing with everybody else out there. Yes, I, I technically yeah. am, but it's like, I want to be better than the artist I was six months ago. Can exactly. I-,
1: I, I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with that? And I also tell because you know, for a long time I had a store, mm-hmm. an actual brick and mortar store, and I opened myself up to everybody, artists, parents kids drawing that the parents didn't know what to do with and so I uh, you know a lot of questions and things came at me and it made me very philosophical and I can tell you I think the first thing to know before you start getting into getting you know selling your work mm-hmm. and you know becoming living off of it you need to know your value and you don't judge your value is not by judgments of what's out there but it's by what you know is good and like I love what you just said about you you're almost like thinking about what you know in the past and in in a sense understand you're almost like competing against yourself in a positive way
0: yes and I started like when I changed that mindset during this master's program then I'm looking to get critique and when Mm -hmm. I get good feedback and critique from somebody because I didn't realize at that point and like you said that immaturity of being younger and being self-conscious um it was it like especially I took this drawing for illustrators class and I was like I've been teaching for 11 years but you it's different being a teacher versus being an art in the sense they're a little bit different from each other I think you become a better artist when you can teach but sometimes if you teach too much and you're not doing your skills get rusty so I have another friend that I met she's in a different state but her critique and her feedback always made my artwork go up the next level. And she's a fantastic artist. She is a person who is so skilled at what she does. It's very easy for her to pick up. Like, And then I would reciprocate because she was weaker on you know, doing digital parts of her artwork. So I would give her feedback in that area. And so when you meet other people who you can, it's a symbiotic relationship of learning like, How can we make each other better? We're not competing against each other because our styles are so different from each other. And I appreciate what she brings to the table as a fine artist because she comes from a painting background. Sure. Fantastic. So I want to bring that into my work and maybe make it bring it to that level. So everything you said in the workshops, I was like, I feel like it hit on things that I was kind of realizing at this point in my journey. And it was great it, to hear that from a working professional artist who had such a long, you have such a long career.
1: It is, but but I can tell mm-hmm. you this: it start. I think that story is very similar for most artists. You, you know, you feel a need to communicate, and maybe you don't want to do it with words when you're very young. I was shy. I wanted to talk to people, but I was very uncomfortable around people. But I knew when I drew something and put it up on the wall or showed it to someone, it was a way for me to speak to them or or to connect. And so. I think, I'd say like this, it's my opinion Mm -hmm. that an artist, most of their life, they're they're mastering their skills, but another great part of their life, they're mastering the ability to be around people and the ability to communicate, you know, beyond uh, just your artwork. Because I believe artists sold at dinner parties when you're dealing Mm -hmm. with fine art and things like that. And also when you're dealing with art directors and editors, Mm -hmm. they have to like you. They have to actually like your... um, your working relationship is built on also if you're pleasant with them, you know, because if you're always arguing with them or you're yeah. doing things uh, that make their lives hard, they tend to just phase you out. And I'm saying from somebody who been in the industry for a long time and I've seen people that won even awards and then you don't hear from them. And it's mm. you don't you, you can't underestimate the, uh, you know. The relationships you need to build with people in order. Cause like I said, I'm doing this without an agent. So right mm-hmm. now, you know, I I just got offers to do books, two books. Oh. And so it's like in this time when companies that stocks are falling and things of all the people that are calling me and said, Hey, would you like to look at this manuscript? Cause they're being positive that it's going to pass. But that says a lot. You know, it says a lot when, when someone directly calls you Verse and there's, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of people out there doing things, but, you know, you you know, you have to really know how to, just like in every industry, you have to know how to be personable and, and uh, understand where you are and what you need to do.
0: That's great. And you also brought up a point about being so good at your skill set of being an artist that, Mm -hmm. that being like, you're so good, they're looking for that. Now, do you find that because um, once again, this goes back to because you do a variety of things from collage to painting and like, did you just, did you, because I feel like right now I'm kind of in this period of sandboxing. Did you just kind of like, just really intensively play around with it? Or was it kind of like during your period, during your bachelor's degree, or was it after you finished school, then you kind of honed in to knowing like when it clicks? Like, I feel like I'm kind of getting there because there's certain things I'm going like, I keep going back to this. So how did you, you know, I know it's well, different for everybody. Everybody's journey's different.
1: Cause honestly, yeah. art school didn't teach me art. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a little kid, just like I started with crayons. And then the next thing you know, I'm looking at comic books and copying them to the point where people think, did you trace them? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's what I meant when I was say mastering your materials, because mm-hmm. the very beginning stage, when I was very young, since I wasn't out partying or talking to people or going to play dates, not that they had them back then, but I was, <laughs> I basically was, I was drawing and painting all the time. And when someone is doing that, you, you get connected to your materials. It's like mm-hmm. when you look at someone doing acrobatics or, or playing an instrument, you think, how can you play that? If they've been playing it since they were three or, or doing uh, stretching their, their body since they were three, you know, they are contortionist by the time they are a teenager or they're virtuoso. And so when you're starting later, or when you're, you have a mindset of, um, you know, let's say a person has a mindset of, I need to do this and that will happen. That doesn't work. I don't believe that works like mm-hmm. I don't believe you can you can go to art school and yes. get straight A's yes. but when you get out it's really based on your portfolio mm-hmm. and then beyond that it's based on your ability to be around people and your mm-hmm. ability to um, to market yourself so because I started very just to, to get your question yeah. because I started so early yeah. I'm very fearless about yeah. trying things with art I don't if it it it's I don't look at things as like um i don't know this this is gonna fail or something i, I think if i look at it as more like i want to i want it to to give me a problem so i actually can see something new with the paint and realize oh okay i, I just learned a new thing not to do and to go forward with it uh, you know so the, i have a good sense of the materials and then it's almost like a game to me when i'm at a museum i do appreciate the art but my mind is ticking about how was that done? Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta try that. I get an excitement of, I need to try and uh, incorporate that. Or I need to think about, you know, using the material in that way. I never thought of a painting in this way or mixing, mm-hmm. waxing with my paint or scraping it with a palette knife. Or, so, I, you know, and, and I like looking at people's work and being like, that's acrylic. That's, that came from working in an art store. Everything mm-hmm. I did was, you know, in my past mm-hmm. was to learn these materials. And if you start in later, you got a lot of work to do. You have to know your materials enough to not fear them. They have to become an extension of you, not something that you just think, oh, I'm afraid of this, or this isn't going to work this way, or it's not coming out right.
0: That's a great point. And um, I, it's, just, it's been an exploration, and I've thoroughly enjoyed exploring the materials. And like, I like the point that you brought out about knowing which brushes work better or even those you know those things really make a difference because being a teacher i've always been kind of on a budget and like they've always <laughs> like you only get so much money so i was always buying these really cheap student grade things for myself for my students and i was kind of like uh, like you mentioned those kalinsky paint brushes i bought some i tried them this past week and i was like oh my gosh this is such a change, (laughs) the amount of water it would hold, like, I'm not constantly dipping back and forth, I was like, the point on that was so fine, Uh, I was uh, like, it's worth the money, like, so I've been researching, like, even tracing paper, like, my drawing class that I took with my professor, she told me, like, don't buy this brand, buy this brand, and then I compared, I bought, I took it out, I just, you know what, let me just look at this, and I was like, (gasps) This is so much better. And you're paying like 25, 50 cents more. But I would have always bought the cheap stuff because but then I didn't know the difference. So, yeah. yeah.
1: You don't know until you, yeah. you really start to. Now, here's what, like I said, I've, I've, I've been grooming myself <laughs> yeah. to be the artist I am today. Yeah. So the first job I got was in an art store. And that gave me that. That's when I, that early mm. lesson, I saw, okay, this is a, a sable brush and this is a Sableen brush, and this is a synthetic brush. Sableen is from other parts of the body. A Sable yeah. brush, the really pricey one, is from the tail, mm-hmm. and they actually reconstruct it right into the same shape. So you have a natural point that's put into a natural point, it's put into a ferrule, and you know, I get deep enough to even want to mm-hmm. know how how is it made? Can I make my own brushes? Wow. Uh, you know, can I take the cat hair and do something? <laughs> I, you know, you want to yeah. know. But, That's awesome. But I like I like um, what I do because I'm excited by it. It's a passion mm-hmm. enough to want to know material. So once I was in the art store, the next job was actually working for a newspaper, and they they I was interning there,
2: mm-hmm. and they
1: it was a Star Ledger newspaper, and uh, the person who gave me the opportunity, her name was Bernadette Dashell, and she's like now at the New York Times. And the thing about it was I was the intern, and I got to see what you drew. How it, how it gets re, when it's when it's uh, printed, how it's like different mm-hmm. and how you have to adjust for something you paint or something you draw, how different it looks when it's, uh, when it's got, uh, you know, pixelated points mm-hmm. and dots or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. for a newspaper or, or when orange doesn't, it's not exactly the same orange you painted is reproduced in a picture book. So I learned a lot. And then from there, I went on to a museum and that's when I learned about the art world and the idea of how how it really is about cocktail parties, shaking hands, in addition to your talent. And so I learned a lot by just taking jobs. The one job I did that I took that was not necessarily along the lines of art was taking surveys in oh. New York. I had to stop people, get their name, address, oh. phone number, how many children they had, and also uh, just their their opinion, and this is New Yorkers running, you know, on the on the street, and you're walking up them saying, "Excuse me," and most of them will stop you there. And I learned how to talk to people to the point that they would actually give me a minute, and then I would ask them to take a survey, and it was for film companies. And I don't think if it was anything else that would have been a lot harder. But the film companies helped, and and when I first started. I stopped saying the name of the company that hired me, and I started saying, I'm working for Paramount Pictures. and Oh, Paramount. I'm working for United Artists. I learned how to talk to people, and that is invaluable. Mm -hmm. And if you can ever get a retail job or a docent program giving speech, it will get you over your shyness or get you over your apprehension, and it will help you be able to take your words and, and really just get them out. Some people do that easily, but for me it was always difficult. I do it now a lot easier.
0: Yeah, I, I am grateful, like, I took, I veered off from doing children's books about probably a decade ago because I did a few small trade publisher books, and I was so, like, that, that being able to talk to people, like, they just don't teach you that in school. They just kind of focus on, you know, this is how you make the illustrations. So the 10, 11-year period that I've spent being a teacher... I can now talk to anybody. It's, it's kind of like the thing that I needed. I needed that exactly. period That's great. because yes. I never, I thought I would, ne- I, you know, I was horrified that I would have to speak or do like a presentation. And then once you, I taught elementary art for eight years, and then I taught now high school art for the last three years. And you know, having different types of demographics of audiences. Like, how do you speak to little kids versus when you're trying to teach older kids and capture their attention? And then um, even parents, because with the elementary age students, I have parents come in and out and having to present, like, this is what I teach your child over the school year in art and what the relevance is. So, like you said, you have to have a passion for what you're doing, but you have to be able to communicate for people. And that's something, like, I do... Feel like, I hope, like, I want to continue teaching, and I would like to teach maybe possibly at the collegiate level. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to bring those things that I feel like maybe could be improved upon for people who really want to seriously try to make a living at their artwork. Like, this is something that should be incorporated into the education.
1: I agree. If if I were teaching again, uh, you know, I, I taught in the store, it mm-hmm. became a little art school, too, yeah. for everybody, from aspiring artists to little kids. But I would actually, you know, when there was a group, they all had to get up and and speak about their work to the class. And it's like you just switch up. And just even doing public speaking to a small group of people is helpful. But I'll tell you something else that, you know, and, you know, it's like... I imagine you want to know about things I've learned or thought about.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: I can tell you um, one thing that's another component, especially during times like this is keeping your credit right. And also thinking about investing in stocks. Mm -hmm. They're better than banks. Mm -hmm. You know, the interest is better. So now later in life, I'm learning about these things. But while I was, when I was in art school and I was in my twenties, I thought, I don't want to be traditional. I don't think I'm ever going to buy a house. I don't even, Mm -hmm. it's not just that. Like Mm -hmm. the other idea is like, let's say one day you want to open up a, a community center or an art school yourself, wow. or you want to, uh, you know, open up a gallery. You don't know what you want to, you know, what could, what, where this could branch off. Wow. And if you're just one-sided thinking about, I'm going to be a painter for a gallery, why not on your own? Or why not, you know, and, and it's nice if you can end up getting like a, a you know, a, a loan from a bank or wherever. And so think about those things too about for your future it opens you up to you being able to do other things beyond because I'm very entrepreneurial yeah. as well I'm not just I love painting and creating art but I need a break from because I actually get a lot of work and it's back to back lecturing is is great um, for me to kind of break the break out of just painting all because I could sit here all yeah. day and paint and if if I was done with jobs I could I could Right, I mean, I could just stay in this house all the time. So I mean, this this is almost like old hat to me, social distancing and staying inside is what I do anyway. It was, you know, so um, those are things to think about too. You, you know, it's great to think about also your financial future in, in terms of personality, learning to speak, learning your materials, but also think about your finances. That's important yes. because we do struggle as artists and you and it's good to have options.
0: It's interesting, Brian, because that's another thing they don't teach in, in school. The taxes, because the first year I did freelance work, it's like I didn't save for my taxes. I was, didn't know. I was like, I was like, what? I just thought I got to keep. I was so naive. I was very, but then after that, I started doing saving like a third or more. And like now, yeah. I'm very much an old hat because I just realized there are highs and lows and ebbs. So I'm very conservative Absolutely. financially because you just never know when things could dry up. And so there were things like that. They, you know, And I guess nobody wants to kind of bring that business side of it. But like you said, you are a business person. You are an right. entrepreneur if you want to make this a long-term career, I feel like.
1: Well, this is my gem to yep. people. You're a freelancer, uh-huh. but you can't have money coming from one source. Mm-hmm. You can't. If you want to freelance, you better think of some other way to have in- income coming in. And it still could be creative. You could be given art lessons. You mm-hmm. could give lectures. Or you could sell your working products. You know, there's, there's many ways. And you have to figure out a way that, you know, even if it's not making a lot, but you should own a few different, you should have different uh, streams of income coming in.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and
1: get a bookkeeper if you can. Oh,
0: too. <laughs> yes. Um, I um, have been listening to some other illustrators who have podcasts and they have a very similar mindset as you do. And they are also um, in the children's book industry and hearing that this is kind of they say the same thing. They're like, you need to have multiple streams. You need to be financially conscious of how you because it's a business so um yeah I think that mindset it was really like it's weird it's almost like flipping a switch because I was one of those I was so thrilled that I was like you're gonna pay me to do artwork I was just like freelance I was working full-time as a graphic designer I was just thrilled so I would just take whatever I was like oh you're gonna pay me 50 bucks okay I'll do that oh you're gonna pay me and it was just for peanuts and then I realized I was like you know, I have to put a lot of work and effort in skill sets, and now I kind of realize, because now I just say, there are things that come up, and I just say no, because I realize, like, well, I'm getting my master's degree, and granted, you know, I'm freelancing on and off, and I mean, I'm not a big name, but I have to spend a certain amount of materials, my time, I have to research it. I don't just, like, hand people something I did in, like, five minutes like this takes effort and work and I value you know what is that value to me as an artist as a person and if you really want it you're gonna pay it if you're not oh well go find somebody else that will do what you want them to do and so I've kind of realized like I need to value my work because how can anybody else value it if all I think of it is is just you know it's great To have that you know thrill of getting hired to do something but really looking at objectively like you know what i put into it something that's
1: very true and you also have to you know i've again working in a museum i learned about conservation and think of it as your legacy you're creating these pieces of art now i'm I'm speaking for someone who does tangible art i'm not saying digital Mm -hmm. i do tangible art and and if a lot of people don't realize that when you actually put um, artwork in wooden flat files. If it's, if it's works on paper, the there's acid that comes. You know, I think it's called lyeanic acid, and there's it's fumes that could destroy your work over mm. time. So you have to think about the, the plastic mm. sleeves. If you put them in those, are they acid free? And you have to preserve your work because the best art is when no one's around to to talk about it. In a sense, and what I mean by that is that someone paints a picture. And there's still a lot to talk about. And say, I did this, I did that. The best work, that stands tested time, is when the critic is dead, and the artist is dead, and the museum is changed. Oh, and you really just see that art, and it stands tall. But if you don't protect it, you don't know how to paint uh, properly with oil, and, and you or you do. Some people do artwork on newspapers, and I've seen all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. Or worse than that, the work is is like uh-huh. in this. Oh, yeah. um, whatever, like $10 cardboard uh, folder that's that's at the Mm -hmm. bottom of your closet with shoes on it. Treat the work like it's valuable. And that's what Mm -hmm. I mean, know your value. That's the very beginning. Know your value in terms of what you're gonna charge, but treat your art like it's valuable. Because again, it goes back to what I was saying that when Mm -hmm. I was selling art, uh, when I was actually like doing art, sometimes Mm -hmm. people come up to you and say, how much for a portrait? And I used to say, oh, it depends, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm now you know as a yeah. seasoned artist yeah. I say well I start at 1200 and then from there it gives you options to speak let's make a meeting I get half up front and it starts at 1200 and I and someone told me who was a woodworker a long time ago if anybody is serious uh-huh. with you they will pay half the money if they don't wait till they're serious uh-huh. because you the worst job is one of the worst uh, things to hear is you're doing it for for um, Exposure—that's number one. That's that's top of what's the worst to do when you're getting out of art school. This is going to be great for your portfolio for exposure. And the second worst to me is when you do the work and then somebody says, "Oh, it's not right. Can you move the arm up." Oh, and they—you know—they make you work like crazy, and and you you've done like the job three and four times over. You have to understand these things when you get started. And then the the probably. In between those two, the other one is when you start the job, somebody somebody says they don't like it shrugs, and, and then you've lost your time. Mm-hmm. Your time is valuable. Mm-hmm. You have to think of it in that way. You can't get time back.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to say you do not have an agent. I've heard and I've been listening to all these other podcasts about pros and cons of having an agent. Some illustrators love it. Some illustrators stay away from agents. I personally never tried to get an agent when I was first, you know, because I was new, but also because they take a percentage. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a lot. So I don't know. What was your perspective? Why do you choose not to have an agent? Uh, I know a lot of it's your name recognition. You've won so many awards, you probably don't. But is it was there any, any other reasons why you wouldn't have an agent or...
1: I used, to, I used to have an agent, um, you know, because I said I've been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. There was a time when people didn't even want to take children's book deals. and It wasn't right. as popular as it was. So I had an agent strictly for, uh, you know, they were dealing with magazines and uh-huh. things like that and record covers.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: that was for a short time. It's like right out of art school. The first oh. jobs I got were on my own, okay. but I actually wanted an agent, so I kept going into her and almost Mm. pretending like I didn't know what, and I really didn't, you know, and I would say, Oh, you know, these people want me to do this job. She started seeing me come in so much. She eventually said, well, let me put you in a mailing. And then the mailing had, so it's step by step. Mm. Now at this point, I don't believe in having an agent because I figure if you take it objectively, okay. you want an agent basically because you don't have the contacts.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: can't get in the door. You can't call up Random House mm-hmm. or Simon and Schuster or Hardcore Brace. You're not in that circle. So usually an agent is at ALA. An agent is around and talks to people and has other mm-hmm. people. And it's I guess it's that word symbiotic, mm-hmm. symbiotic mm-hmm. relationship. Whatever they say that word is, some symbiotic yeah. relationship where. Um, in a way, they have 10 people they represent. And so they can say, oh, oh I know you're representing this person, but I have okay. a new person to show you. So that's where they're, good, they're great. Okay. Plus, um, they can okay. get you better terms in a lot okay. of cases because they have the leverage to um, just say, well, the last project was this. and mm. So I did have one for specifically for um, magazines and record covers. And we made a deal that they would give me, I think it was three years of children's books, and then I would turn over things to them. But when they start the, the the way the day I left was when they this particular person I was represented, representing me had a contract. And they they said they they basically I remember that it was I was sitting at a table and they said the contract's ready to sign. And I was looking at the contract and I caught some things.
2: Oh. And I
1: caught them. And they said, Oh, oh, don't worry, just sign it. and they pushed the pen towards me. And oh. I felt like like some, you know, naive football player about to oh. sign his life away or something. Like, you know, yeah. I didn't feel protected and, and that's okay. when I decided I would start to represent myself. Now that's one bad sit that was just one bad memory mm. and made me not want to do children's books, have an agent. But in essence, it's also my belief that it's business and Unless I have an agent just for me, I don't. I don't oh. want the situation where if I have a problem with Random House or Simon and okay. Schuster, and they say they're not going to say we'll never work with you again, uh-huh. they'll play both ends. They're going to tell the, the publishing company, "I'm not trying to single out Random House uh, or Simon yeah. and Schuster."
2: Yeah. To yeah. Just but examples.
1: Take that back. But let's say they go to the publishing company, uh-huh. and they say, uh, you know, they're going to tell them, "Oh, I'll speak to him or her." And they're going to tell you, oh, they're acting so crazy, but we I think we should do this. And so they're playing both ends because they oh. have to, they're not, if they have 20 different illustrators, why are they going to cut a relationship with a publishing company? Oh, yeah. I think of it like that. Okay. Why would they cut a relationship with a publishing company oh. when, with, you know, for 20 people when it's okay. just you and you can leave them or go? And some of them have draconian contracts where they lock you in. Oh. And it's not, I mean, it's, I'm making it mm-hmm. sound doom and gloom. There uh-huh. are benefits, but everything's personal. And and uh-huh. once I start to make contacts
2: uh-huh. and I'm
1: in the circle and I'm at the Caldecott committee, and yeah. you, you better understand this. And if you're in getting into children's yeah. books, librarians run it. They run it. It's not the public. The publishing companies have so many different people that come uh-huh. in every year. They graduate and there's new, new people coming in, doing art and, you know. So what happens is that, the librarians love you and you, and they have a name mm-hmm. and you have a name and they start to look for what you're doing. Okay. So that makes you valuable to a publisher. But don't be naive. They will spit you out. Okay. If you're not making sales or okay. you're you're not winning awards or your name, they don't they let me be kind and say mm-hmm. they'll phase you out. Okay. They'll phase you out. Slowly when there's a, a book deal that comes in and someone writes a book. They're going to say, well, we got 10 people. Let's go with this person. And and it, it, it is, it is unfortunate the way it is. It's mm-hmm. like every industry has its players and sure. people gaining. And then there's people trying to gain. And, and I'm saying to you, this is just a reality of, of my own beliefs. You take them or leave them. I always mm-hmm. say that with everybody. Take it or leave it. I'm not trying to say I'm the number one authority, but this is what's working for me now. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons... Or some of the reasons why I chose not to have an agent, mm-hmm. but instead to get a good lawyer. A oh. good lawyer and a and a nice personality. Yeah. And I've been able to get book jobs that way. Nice. I've been able to, to be have a career in books.
2: Nice.
1: You know, of course you have to have talent too, but oh, yeah. those other two, I think they're a big found you know, they're a big part of it as well.
0: Can you give some advice to somebody who's starting out as a you know, a want to break into the children's book industry because like what do you think helps to you know because back in my day when I was in my undergrad they would be like well send out the postcards and you know I would you know it's ironic because I I did get one book job from a postcard I sent I got probably more exposure from winning this little society of children's book uh writers and illustrators contest they'd have it once a month I entered and I was like And I'd done, like, six of them. It was, like, the sixth or seventh one, and then they they picked the top three entries. And from that, somebody found me from Massachusetts, a small publisher, and then they contacted me and said, oh, we want you to do this uh, trade book. We think you'd be perfect for it. So, is it the same? Like, I don't even know. Is it just, like, based on how many people are following you on Instagram? (laughs) Is it about, like, you know, I don't know, what is it nowadays, you know, having the Solid work, like you said, is a big part of it. But how do you get the recognition or get the eyes of a an art director or an editor? How do you do it now, do you think? Okay, so
1: what I would do is this. Uh-huh. First of all, it's, a, it's what I tell everybody. Okay. Before you, first of all, before you start, know the value of your work. Know like how much it's worth and, and also know what's out there. What are people charging for? it? You know, So you don't underprice or overprice or overestimate or underestimate your value. Secondly, after that, you've got to get your skills up.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: have to be able to be so good at art that you okay. go put it up in a museum and no one would walk mm-hmm. by and say, what is that doing here? That That's incongruent. That doesn't okay. match. You have to be able to be objectively honest about the quality of your work. Is it too stiff? Do you have rhythm to it? Mm-hmm. Does it have, um, you know, like a, a good sense of color, good compositional design? Know what's, no, go into museums and, and look at, old master paintings and find out mm-hmm. which one was just rushed to, to meet a king's you know or a pope's uh, or cardinal's like deadline because you know artists mm-hmm. do sometimes have to knock it out and and i'm saying to you get an eye get it get taste and, and that, be able to look and and put that eye on your own work now when it comes to once you've got your skills okay. up And you got the mindset of, I am valuable, my work's valuable, and if everybody else is getting $10,000, I need to get, you know, okay, I'm starting off, I'll take six. But know know what's the market, and that's why SCBWI is good and all that. But at some point, you better jump out of it. You have to jump. You can't let your mind and your fears keep you in a student all the time. But this is really, really important, I think. Put yourself in the circles. So okay. go find out ALA and go to those events. And every publisher and editor's there. If, really? if I was just starting out today, uh-huh. first I'd have my skills up.
2: Okay.
1: I'd have that set. Then I would start to think about marketing. Why not go to, like, conventions, any book conference or anything that has a group of librarians and publishers, mm-hmm. just go and talk to them. Just walk mm-hmm. up with a postcard and say, hi, you know, um, I really love the – because – let me pull it back when this is a basic conversation I'm uh-huh. saying I'm not going up to someone and if I was if I was in your sh- in the person who's listening shoes that they're starting out uh-huh. I wouldn't go out and, and just say go up and just say I'm an artist hire me I would show that I did some research okay. I would go find um, a particular edit editor and say I really love the book such and such my work is a little bit similar, but it has its own sensibilities. I really would love to just show it to you sometime. You, you should be specific. You okay. should do volume and hand out to people. But it's just like when I have my store. Somebody came mm-hmm. in and just said, I'm out of art school hiring me. That's great. You yeah. can do art, but can you talk to people? Mm-hmm. You, you need to come in and say, I saw your website, and find a way to show me value. Show mm-hmm. me that you, you can add value to what I'm doing. So what I mean by that is like, if somebody came for an interview and just said, I'm out of art school and, and uh, you know, can you hire me because we both like art. That's not as strong as someone who comes and says to me mm-hmm. that they are willing to learn. I don't care if you want me to sweep the floors, I want to learn yeah. from you and I'll work hard and I won't play games. I want this, I'm going for this goal and I want to learn from you or either. I saw your website and I noticed that you don't have a lot of social media presence. I can manage your page. I'm very, I've i been in doing it since high school. If you ever needed someone, if you hired me, you're starting to show me you have value. So that's another mindset to think about. But scaling it back, I mean, bringing it back, I want you to understand this too. Most people make the mistake of not choosing the right image to present. Because mm. most people are trying to show, look at me, look what I can do. Versus look how I can think. Put that in, in your in your um, promotion. Okay. And what I mean by that is this. Make sure it has an environment that's interesting. Uh-huh. Pretend like you, you have an image that you're sending out as a, a postcard. Pretend that the figures or the house in it is not there and it's just the background. Is that strong enough? Uh-huh. Was just the background strong uh-huh. enough or interesting enough? And then put your your subject matter or your foreground in there. So okay. that means a really strong painting that the background and the foreground, the middle, everything is really on point. You gotta not have a boring like you know I didn't know what to do so I just added red or yellow. It's gotta be beautiful. Okay. Yeah, even if we're abstract background of, of color, it should be beautiful. So that's number one. The aesthetics gotta be up. Okay. The other thing that's important after you have the environment, you want to have some kind of emotion. Because most people are just drawing something very stiff and posed. Yeah. You want to have a little boy hugging a kitten or yeah. a puppy chasing after a girl on a bike. And you, you want action and emotion. And how's the girl going to look? She has to be uh, looking back. Is it like a Norman Rock where there's stuff mm-hmm. flying all over? And you have to be able to, to have that. I think that I, I'm just suggesting you have that. I'm mm-hmm. going to say you have to, but you, you should have that. Oh, sure. The other thing that's important, I think. Uh-huh. So like I said, we talked about environment. We talked about having some type of emotion. You also want to have what's called anticipation. Mm. Anticipation in the image is the same as me saying this to you. If I said to you, um, Pip was a very, very grumpy dog. Every day, Pip would sit there and snap at anybody who walked over to him. One day, his friend Patina walked up to him. The end. You want What, what did uh, Patina say? What, what okay. does she do? Your image should be like that. If you get an image like that, mm-hmm. that somebody looks at it and has to turn the page, oh, my mm-hmm. God, that's a beautiful painting, and the, the wolf is about to jump on that chicken. What's mm-hmm. go- You know, you have to have anticipation in the imagery. That's okay. your, that is your that going to be your, your, uh, your promotional okay. card that you give to people because okay. you've shown an environment, you've shown emotion, and you've shown some type of anticipation. That somebody will say, I love this painting. I want to see it in a book. That little kid, just there's something about this kid. I want a whole series on it. You have to have that anticipation. If you can do okay. that, then you're ready to to send out your card. And that's the difference. When I look at art, okay. my mind instantly goes to, is it a marketable anticipation? Mm-hmm. in it? Is there something in this that, that's so okay. endearing that I want to see more? Okay. And most people are getting out of art school or starting off the... Mm-hmm the career just showing their style. Again, like okay. I said, keep away from style. I don't want to see you can draw okay. artists. And it's a straight talk or a dime a dozen. Yeah. There's many artists out there, many in New York, many all over the world. There's people from other countries that have more mm-hmm. uh, sophisticated um, sensibility of how mm-hmm. to lay things out because they grew up in Bali and they've always seen temples. Uh, people grew up in the Middle East and they have a different mindset towards aesthetic. Everybody can learn to be better at art, but it's how you think. It's how you think. You got to show them that you think differently. That's what's going to get you work.
0: Wow. Okay. That is so invaluable information. I feel like um, it, when you hear from a pro, like part of me wishes after I finished my bachelor's degree, I kind of wish like back in the old days, like the Renaissance, you would apprentice with an artist. Like you would go work yeah, for. You know, you, whoever, Raphael, you work for whoever, and you learn from them. And I feel like in terms of today's educational system, we kind of lose that um, appreciation for people who've already done there. If you've been there, you've done it, you've got the street cred, and you can learn so much from somebody who's already done that. And um, yeah, I really wish well, I'd done that. <laughs> you know what? There's an
1: entrepreneurial opportunity. You start schools or pairing people up, and I bet you, because I'm telling you, my my weakness yeah. is social media. Uh-huh. I have a lot of knowledge, and but I love doing it more face to face. But everybody's pushing me, telling me, "Man, you should do videos. You oh, really you should have a, But I don't. I don't. Really? You know, that's, not, that's. I need some. Uh, oh. You know, I guess some. Uh, 20 to whatever, 20 to 30 year old that's good at that, that knows like, oh, cause people tell you, oh, it's not Facebook, it's Instagram. And you should do this and that and make memes. And I don't know. So I'm a student too. I'm learning the new, cause I'm saying, I went to, I graduated, oh man, 93. Mm-hmm. I graduated back then and I know how to paint, mm-hmm. but now it's about, do you know, procreate? I mean, it's not only, but it is a, you know, a tool. And I, I have to relearn how to do things digitally. I have my okay. sensibilities, but the tools to do digital art mm-hmm. and all that, I don't, I don't, that's not me. Really? But I'm, yeah. it's working now, mm-hmm. but, but I really, you know, um, you, you have to be careful for that. And this mm-hmm. is from someone who's, who's been doing it for some time. You just like in, I think it was an Oscar Wilde book. He, mm-hmm. he mentioned that somebody only stuck in the 1980s or he didn't, you know, equivalent of that. You know, basically, like, you learn something so well that you only know it from uh, 20 years ago. So a doctor may know a medicine, but if he's not reading the journals or keeping up, he, hes he, you become irrelevant. Yeah. And that's something else I tell people. You can get it. You can. Focus. You will get what you want. That's not the hard part because you just have to get your talent up and get out there and do those things I was suggesting. The hard part is maintaining it, because there's always going to be a new group that, especially in children's books, that librarians are excited about. And, you know, you, you'll get respect, but you may not get sent to the conferences. You may not get to the point where you, you get taken to ALA, because they can choose a whole roster of, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Who are they going to take to go to ALA, to go to dinner with librarians to help sell those books? You know, it's really, um, there is a part of that in it. you got to recognize that too. Wow. And you better learn to talk. You better learn to be confident about your work or personable about your, you know, your interactions.
0: Well, I think if you did a YouTube channel about this part of, you know, your career about your life, because I feel like there's a void out there. Like there are some illustrators and bless them. Thank you. The ones that have been posting on YouTube, like, if YouTube had been around when I was in school, because I'm I'm probably actually, like, I'm, I'm also very close to you in age, and it's like, I had to really, I started out traditional, and when I was in college, I asked one of my professors, I said, hey, you know, there's this, like, digital illustration, and some of my friends over here are doing it. Do I need to worry about it? And he was that mindset that you're talking about. He was yeah. back in the other, he was like, oh, Nancy, don't worry about it. That stuff is like, a fad people will never accept digital illustration no. and now it's like i feel like i don't know per se because you've established yourself so you, you know but i feel like if you're a newer person like if i were an art director because i worked as a graphic designer if i had to pick and choose like oh i've got two people who are very similar in style but this one delivers digitally because i'm on a deadline and i gotta have it I would probably be inclined to go with the digital provide illustrator because if I'm very tight deadline oriented and I need to be able to work with somebody who knows the post production part of it, how it's going to print, that maybe that would probably be something I'd be more inclined to. Okay,
1: so in my opinion, yeah. I think that's very strong for, uh, let's say, yeah, you know, editorial okay. illustration mm-hmm. and even I would say editorial illustration because really? okay. they, you know, wants that art. Children's books. You still have people who are in the sixties, fifties. Yeah, yeah, you younger people too. But the the fear I have is uh-huh. is that it becomes too homogenous. Uh-huh. Everybody's style starts to stay, stay, yeah. uh, starts to have a, a melds into each other. And the person who's painting on paper uh-huh. has a different feeling and look, a different aesthetic. Yeah. It's just different. Okay. And I can usually look at digital yeah. art and it might be nice, but so again, you know, it's really like you don't want to be like the old dinosaur and, yeah. and say, "Oh, you got to use a phonograph. Or, uh, forget about these CDs and yeah. all that." But, but you know, you, you know, it's just, it's just like that's that's how it could be. You know, I, I think in terms of digital yeah. art, it's it's a it's good to have a tool, but you yeah. got to be strong with it, and you got to separate yourself in that in some way. But I'm not so concerned because. Yeah. I know, um, you know, like I said, I, I do what I enjoy and, and I'll find a way to make it work. But I also caution digital artists to, you know, about the legacy,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: how are they going to put your, I mean, what are museums going to be in the future holograms or are they going to have LCD screens and Mm -hmm. and you're just going to be looking at work that way. It's, it's not the same experience as an actual painted or drawn image. And I think, for me, I also think of longevity. I like the mm-hmm. idea of an original piece that was created that I could go and get. I don't want to see a, a digital Rembrandt. I want to see the original painting. And that's what I'm hoping for. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what you want is, is not what society wants. So I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm yeah. just dwelling on how many different streams of income I can get going in different ways. Because if you're, you, you really should not be freelancer if you're not innovative
2: Uh if you're
1: not innovative and and can kind of throw what comes at you like roll with the punches as Uh they say you you really want to be able to to survive in that way like right now things are crazy Mm -hmm. without schools and without um street fairs i've lost my other streams of income Uh the only thing i can do now is do online uh, promotion and, and so it's forced me to to do that, which I was mm-hmm. apprehensive to do in the beginning. The reason I'm that way is because I don't like opening my door, my life, my life up oh, that way. Okay. And, um, I like giving information, mm-hmm. but it's, um, I feel like information given to somebody should be earned
2: mm-hmm. and it
1: shouldn't be just like a pop culture thing where you can click on it. Here's some, some info and then move on to the next and move on mm-hmm. to the next. It's like Andy Warhol. It's like throwaway info and and just like Mm -hmm. entertainment rather than Mm -hmm. taking the time and interacting. Most of this technology is one way. Mm -hmm. I will email you and you'll read it. And then you can email me back. But, you know, like with speaking now, you might be able to say, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. And and we build on a a conversation that's almost, that's really instant messaging. Mm -hmm. Really talking to someone right there rather than, you know, I don't know just
0: like emailing and
1: all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know, that's how I am. It's not normal, but that's how I am.
0: Oh, no, it's just interesting hearing different perspectives and just how that works for everybody. And like you said, everybody's journey is very different. Mm -hmm. There's no uh, boilerplate template that you can go off of as far as it seems like for our careers. Because everybody I've interviewed, that's been the interesting thing. We have similar messages, but we all kind of got there through different avenues and it's just fascinates me because I was like there's I don't know a million one ways to get to wherever you want to be and like it doesn't matter if you're it just weird because I've had I had a very prolific underwater photographer that I was um, worked with I've other people who've worked in other industries from like um, pinstriping cars and then they made their own line of paint it's very creative to think in terms of And the, you know, and uh, yeah, so it's just really interesting. And I so appreciate all of this information. And I I hope you continue sharing what you know because it's just like fascinating. Like, wow, he just, all these things that he's pulled on. And because you were so young that you picked up on those things, those nuances. It's harder, I think, nowadays for the generation because the instantaneous, the things that you mention, because they just click on it. And so, like, I think sometimes, uh, you know, you have to, you know, it's, I know society is different. It's always constantly evolving. But I think it's harder sometimes for the generations that are younger like i have a son and he's kind of used to that very instantaneous like i don't have to put out anything and i go like you do have to put something out you have to learn to quote unquote maybe fail or learn to but sometimes this stuff kind of protects you all the technology and things like that that if there's you know i don't know i don't know
1: it it is interesting you know it's it's like um I don't know, we, we changed a lot as a society and, and, mm-hmm. and I can tell you simply I you know, for instance, prime example is I remember flying years ago, mm-hmm. everybody had a book.
2: Mm-hmm. Almost
1: everybody. There were mm-hmm. so many people waiting for a plane you know, that were reading. Mm-hmm. And some people were now you know, they were used in uh, Kindle and things like that, but a majority of people now are watching films. They watch movies, even if they have the phone or the Yes. or the right, uh, you know, like a pad or whatever, the mm-hmm. iPad, or whatever they call it, you know, they, they would, they would, they're watching movies. Mm-hmm. And so when I decided to stop 100% freelancing and open up a brick and mortar yeah. store, people always said, aren't you afraid of eBooks? Aren't you afraid that um, people are not buying books? People buy things for their kids. Mm-hmm. It's it's um some of it might come out of insecurity. Idea I'm a new parent. What do I do? Oh, my parents got me books and they got me teddy bears and so, you know, people will buy and spend on their children and even as if they get older, they still, you know, spend on them. So I think it's insulated in a way that that's a very specific industry, children's books, and for an artist, it's very uh, interesting because it's the first exposure a child's going to have to art. Mm-hmm. yours and you're painting for people who are not even born yet mm-hmm. they're not even here and you're creating art that that's going to go in a library or and they're gonna they're gonna see that for the first time rather than you know go see museums and all that your art is is is, is their exposure so I think that um in a way digital art is you know it's, it's something but but I really I feel that like we're insulated to a degree, and I think if you are an artist, it's one of the best things to get into, because even if the economy's bad, people will want books. They will, they, you know, they, I believe that. I think that they will, um, for children, for mm-hmm. children, I mean, books for children. So, yeah. I don't know.
0: That's great. Well, I have one last question that I ask everybody that I interview, and it's one of those deep questions. It's at the end of your life. You've made all the art you've wanted, and you've lived a full life. If there could be nothing left behind of your existence but a note you've written with three final truths, what would they be?
1: Hmm. Um, three, three final truths. I'd say one. One would be that it's it's not it's not a race. It's kind of a long distance long distance run that you have, you have, um, you don't have to speed up. You don't have to get everything instantly right away. You know, learn while you're doing things. Second thing I think important to know is that you can't get back time and get mm-hmm. money back and get your health back in some mm-hmm. cases, but you can't get back time. So you have to have value to that. And the third is, is, um, it's almost like if I'm going back talking to my younger Mm -hmm. self, I would say, prepare yourself for the next 10 years. So if you're Mm -hmm. 20, prepare yourself for when you're 30 and that means physically keep your body in shape and your mind sharp and your finances. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're 40, think about what you're going to do when you're 50. And and so it's, that's what I think life for me was, Mm -hmm. is like that. I tried to lay a foundation for the next. And, um, so I guess it's more about, uh, that's how you can find stability. That's my my answer to that.
0: Thank you again for being on this podcast and sharing your wealth of knowledge. Um, but I will put links to uh, your website and social media so people can see more of your wonderful books because you have just such a prolific career as a uh, children's book illustrator and uh, as an artist in general. Um, But uh, thank you again, and everybody, thank you for listening to My Creative Life. Bye. Thank you.